Hello and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 38. This week my guest is Jason Dora and he is a fellow fantasy writer so stick around for the interview section. So at my desk this week, well at my desk this week I've been avoiding opening the editor's comments for my work in progress. So um, the Midwitch, which I, you might see me out on the airwaves on, on TikTok and Twitter and things, is my upcoming book. And um, obviously it's about a witch. In fact, it's about a middle-aged witch. And my editor has sent back the sent back our edits and it's sat on my desktop for a week and a half now and have I opened it no I've had a little sneak peek and I'm sure it's all fine but there's something kind of blocking me from actually getting in there and going through it one more time and taking her edits and it's not that I mind changing things because I really don't I think it's just it is quite a big job you know a full length novel and then you're kind of going through it all again and I kind of know the story now and it, I don't know, it, it kind of feels less creative. And so I've really been avoiding <laughs> avoiding the job of actually getting on with the editing. And it's on my list. It is only uh, Tuesday as I record this. Um, and I hopefully will, you know, tackle it as the week goes on. It is on my list of things to do is to start the editing process again and um, start making um, my lovely editor's changes. Um and I'm sure it's all very worthy and it's going to make the book, you know, really good, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, can I? I just can't quite. Once I start a job, I'll be fine because I, I do tend to finish things and see them through till the end. But um, sometimes, you know, I'm having a little bit of trouble actually getting on and starting it. However, um, that's just part of the thing, I think. Anyway, uh, so what have I been doing? Well, I have been working on the book cover which of course is quite nice and creative. I quite like doing that and fiddling around. I've got about four or five versions now under my belt. And again, it's a bit of a creative process. It's much like writing, doing artwork and book covers. It's a case of turning out a lot of rubbish before something really sticks or you find out that your original idea that you thought, oh, this is how I want it to look, is actually not going to work. It's not really as beautiful as you thought it was going to be or is on point as you need it to be so that's what I'm doing I'm sort of fiddling around doing that and um I did something that I quite like this morning <laughs> and then by the by the end of the day when I look back at it I thought oh I don't really like that in fact I don't really like any of them they're not quite there um and I'm not quite sure why but I, I do trust the process more uh, now that I'm older both for writing and for the artwork that I know if I keep on working that I will find a solution to the problem. So, you know, that's me. So avoiding the editing and, but actually doing the book, the book cover. So that's all good as well. Uh, what else have I been doing? Um, the other thing I've been doing is I've been trying to set up a TikTok shop on my two accounts for DJ Bowman Smith and my children's author account, Tiger Molly. And this has proved incredibly difficult to do. Uh, I think I'm obviously not very good at e-commerce, although I, you can buy my books direct from me on my website. And that was a pain to set up as well, to be honest. But this is proving very glitch. I'm not sure whether they're entirely geared up for authors or whether we're all a bit dim. You know, I mean, <laughs> I see other authors on there that have got their books on there. But for some reason, mine isn't sort of being able to I don't don't seem to get the account working I've kind of loaded up products and fiddled about with it and 
anyway it's not working today and it wasn't working yesterday and I don't think it'll be working tomorrow to be quite honest so it's a very long process I've now been at it um two weeks trying to get it sorted so I'm feeling a bit frustrated uh I think the problem when you've got any techno technology issues when you're trying to you know set up a website or format your books or you know any of these things you know get on a new social media platform or any of these kind of things I think you've got to kind of take it slowly and give yourself a couple of hours to do it and not try and hammer at it all day long because you're just going to get tired and very frustrated and very angry so I've been trying to kind of have a little look at it in the morning for a couple of hours two or three hours and then you know take it to a point where I think right well that's enough for today I can't do any more it's just making me feel very angry and not getting any further and then you know I put a load of um, help tickets in and things like that to see if they can't sort my problems out and then I kind of move on and leave it till the next day because really I think sometimes it's like that and I think you just have to realise that some of these big big things that you do you know really do take a long time and it's a case of just you know waiting until it gets itself sorted out Uh, I'm sure it will get sorted out and they've been very helpful and friendly Um, you know I've done the online chats and things like that but anyway I have a few glitches in them there's a bit of a a glitch in the matrix for me and the TikTok platform but anyway I'm sure it will resolve itself or they will help me resolve it and it'll be fine but um, that's my advice folks is if you are in these sorts of situations where you're fighting the machine, I think give yourself a, a kind of a deadline that you're going to work to um, and then and then go and do something else because I think you just feel absolutely drained with it. And you're, it's one of those things that it's much better to put the help tickets in and let them let them see what they can do at their end and not keep blaming yourself for it because sometimes I think oh gosh is it me is it me but I I really can't see my way around it oh sorry I'm just knocking something on my desk there so anyway so that's my thing so anyway never mind about that I'm sure that I'll get resolved and I'll keep you updated if I do in fact manage to get the shop onto the social media account and uh, it'll be great if it does I mean I'm sitting here in my office with like boxes of stock around me I'm, I'm ever hopeful that it's going to work but anyway no sales yet happy days Oh, anyway, so come and meet fellow fantasy writer Jason Dora. I know you're going to love him. Jason Dora is a writer of fantasy. His book, Akathar's Greatest Trick, is out now. And you can find a smaller book, a novella, recently released, which is called The Gem of Tagath, if you want to just get into that world on a smaller book. And he's got another book planned for later on in the year, which is called Lysandra's deepest fear so look out for those uh, across the social media platforms Jason welcome to the podcast and um how many books are you going to write in your in your fantasy is it going to be a big long fantasy epic are you planning a trilogy or is it going to be just two books it, it is a pretty epic thing. I'll have planned out for the main series of Teshavar, I have nine books planned out. It's going to be uh, set in a trilogy of trilogies that they will all be about this specific place called Teshavar. It's the realm where it's set. And uh, it's going to, each each trilogy is going to be in a specific point in time there. And then there will be a bit of a time jump for each of the trilogies. So uh, some of the characters will continue and some of them uh, want from book to book. But then there also will be spinoffs and side stories like this uh, new uh, uh, prequel novella that I released. 
Yeah. So, so I think this is the thing with fantasy authors. We do think big, don't we? It's never just one book and then on to the next thing. It's always like, I, I think we have very big stories in our head. You know, I'm like that. I know the religions and the the backstories and the side characters and what they had for dinner, you know, and that's just not even including the monsters and who's going to murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I found that uh, that I tend to write long as well. I know with epic fantasy, we do tend to put out longer books anyway. And I, I feel like I am having to sort of rein myself in because uh, being independently published, it really makes a difference when the books get overly long because it costs so much to pay to have them printed and to have all that done that it just starts pushing the price of the book up that you have to charge in order to even break even. So the first book, Akathar's Greatest Trick, was about 170,000 words long. And the next one that I'm working on right now, I'm doing edits on Lysandra's Deepest Fear. And right now that draft is around 250,000 words. And so I'm trying to cut back on it. But as I'm editing, I keep thinking of things I want to put in. So it's it's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's the trouble. Cutting it back is, is sometimes the problem. I think sometimes it's... Um... Like you say, I think when we're independent authors, we, you and I both are, I think, although it's great to be creative, at some point you have to start thinking about the money. You have to say, well, I would like to earn a little bit off this. And therefore, I must write books that are, you know, not too heavy to post, <laughs> you know, right. not, too heavy, not too heavy to print and uh, make it into two books, you know, rather than make it into one big one. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that's well worth thinking about. Yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff. Um, so how scary are your fantasies? See, I write grimdark, so I write the very scary stuff. Whereabouts are you on the spectrum with that? Uh, mine are not grimdark for sure. I've had some people tell me that they thought of them as what they call noble bright because they're uh, more yeah. optimistic. But uh, they still have, uh, they still certainly have very bad villains in them and certainly have very bad things happening to characters to provide conflict and to drive the story forward. But overall, uh, I think of myself as a very optimistic person. And I think my writing, even when it touches on darker things, I think it pushes towards something optimistic. So um, it, it definitely has a level of violence in them as is common to epic fantasy. But uh, it doesn't have, I, I wouldn't say they were particularly scary or uh, or dark necessarily there are dark things in them but overall they push towards positivity yeah yeah good uh, it's it's nice to know whereabouts you are i'm quite surprised that i write the grim dark i didn't think i was when i wrote it but as as people have read it that's what they're calling it so you know. <laughs> and, and i look so nice don't i so there you are so you do <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, so, it's hard sometimes to know exactly where things fall in these subgenres because i didn't even know that noble bright was a thing until someone said oh your book is that and i started looking into it and i thought oh well maybe it's on the fringe of that i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I think it's nice to know where you I think people that read a lot of fantasy are, are very um, uh, knowledgeable about exactly, probably sometimes more so than authors ourselves. I think we just write what's in our head and in our heart and off we go on some great tangent. And then when we get to the, you know, when it gets down to the nitty gritties, people start putting you into this little you know, putting you into a line or putting you into a groove where where your where your work fits. But it's interesting to know afterwards whereabouts you you sit with it. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Um, so do you think you'll always, Jason? Do you think you'll always write fantasy? Is there always a bit of fantasy in your in your stuff, or do you do you write other stuff as well? 
Uh, so far, that has been everything that I've written, but I have ideas in other genres that I would like to write, and it's just a matter of figuring out when on the schedule to place the other things and whether I want to use a pen name for branding purposes for other genres. But I do have uh, ideas in the areas of sci-fi. I have some ideas that might fit more into suspense or thrillers, those sorts of things. And so in the future, I would like to branch out a little bit. And something that I've been uh, considering doing and have actually done a little bit is trying to explore some other genres within fantasy fantasy using fantasy as the setting, but then telling a mystery story within that or telling uh, something that's more in the direction of suspense or something along those lines. The fantasy that, uh, that I write tends not to be typical quest sort of fantasy or typical uh, uh, sort of find a magic artifact kind of fantasy, those sorts of things. Uh, the um, Akathar's Greatest Trick has been described to me from, by readers as being more of a thriller kind of book, sort of a cat and mouse pursuit kind of book. And so I, I do explore and experiment a little bit with other genres within the, the setting of fantasy. Yeah, and I think that's what's so nice about being an independent author. There's nobody nobody trying to make you stay in some box. You can just step off and go off on, on some other thing, which is great. And I, I also I think um, for most of us writers, having the ideas is not the problem. It's actually deciding which one that you're going to bring out to you know, fruition, which one you're going to pursue to the very end where you're actually publishing a book and marketing it and all that kind of thing. Um, oh, I also have so many questions for you. So, uh, so thinking about, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm always, yeah, I never have any problem just asking, <laughs> asking people questions. Um, the thing is, Jason, I, I was just having a look at your stuff, um, as I would, you know, as you're kind enough to come on and be my guest. Um, and I was looking at that. I noticed on your website that you're on multiple um, social media things, as as am I. And how how do you manage that? How what's what's your trick for managing your many social medias? You know, because social media is so important to us authors. You know, it's how we tell the world we're alive, and here's our book. How, how do how do you manage that? Have you got got anything you'd like to? Awful. Uh, as as for how I manage it, in a couple of words, not well. <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, I definitely TikTok is my main sort of base of operations. That's where I have the biggest following, and I'm able to really get my message out there the best. And uh, so I focus the most on TikTok right now. I put out videos every day on there and have a lot of interaction there. But lately, I've been trying to diversify more because there's been, of course, the threat of TikTok potentially being banned in the United States and elsewhere, and various things going on, which I personally don't think that's going to happen, but I still feel like it is a good thing to diversify and to be on as many different places as we can. So I have started repurposing my TikTok videos and using them to, uh, I've taken the watermark off them and uh, put them onto YouTube as YouTube shorts. And then each week I'll make a new video for YouTube that is a longer form video. And I have started uh, putting some content onto uh, Twitter and I've started doing some things on Facebook and Instagram and various places. Uh, I recently set up a reader group on Facebook that readers can go and sign up and come into the group. It's a closed group that I just vet people coming in to make sure it doesn't get spammy or anything like that. And readers can come in and discuss my books or other fantasy books or things that are going on with them. And I'm trying to, overall, I just want to focus on leveraging social media to build a community around the kinds of books that I write and the kinds of books that I enjoy. And I find that uh, when you have a good community around you and around what you're doing, you don't have to do as much direct marketing to people because they'll already be interested in what you're doing because uh, you have this relationship with them that you've established through the social media. So it, I 
I don't manage it well in that I don't put as the same amount of effort into the uh, into all the different platforms, but I'm trying to get better about it. And definitely TikTok is where my biggest focus is. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's it's uh, I think it's absolutely fine to repurpose stuff. I I do it all the time and like yourself, I stick a thing on on TikTok and then I'll bounce it into the other social medias and sometimes I'll go on to those individually as well, but not probably as often as I should. And I think there's always quite often there's a, a media scare. There's been a big thing on Twitter, uh, you know, with the takeover and all that kind of thing, um, which I'm not going to get into here. And, and <laughs> lots of people, lots of people were leaving and stuff like that. I haven't left. I'm still on there. Um, and I think as the medias go on, there's always some little, little bit of a shake. And I think it's good to have other avenues where you could go. Oh well, I I can. I'm still on here if it does go down. You know because. It's all about not putting your eggs in one basket, I think, really. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. 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 And I and I think as as long as you can feel that that if if one of them closed down, it wasn't the end of your marketing, you know, or the end of your, you know, your uh author's persona, you know, out of mm-hmm. the world. I think it's good to have a few little things. Even if you don't do much on the others, it's good to have them there as a bit of a backup. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's um and it's always a game, you know, it's how much time do you spend? You know, you think I've got to yeah. get that out there and then you've got to try and get the writing in and, and all that yeah. kind of thing. And, and I've noticed you're a, you're a voiceover artist as well. I am. I have been doing professional voiceovers for uh, over a decade now. That's what I call my day job is is doing that. And uh, it's funny uh, when people hear that I am an author and a voiceover artist, they immediately uh, think in the direction of audiobooks and think about that. That's probably what I focus on. But audiobooks are the smallest portion of what I do uh, is my voiceover work. I really focus on shorter things like ads for TV or for radio or uh, internet ads or doing YouTube narration or doing things like that. I've even done things like like the uh, announcements in an airport that they have pre-recorded, those sorts of things. And I have not actually done any audiobook recording other than my own. I recently released my uh, uh, newest book, The Gem of Tagath. I released the audiobook for that that I narrated myself. But audiobooks are so much work, and it's so much more intensive than I even expected myself. But those, I feel like, are the hardest things to do in voiceover work because you have to keep the different characters' voices differentiated and stay consistent with them over a long period of recording and just remember all these things and so people who do the audiobook recording as their main gig uh, that's their main source of income i have complete respect for people who are able to do that because that's not easy work (laughs) yeah it it is hard to do i i did my um which i haven't bought out because i'm still not happy with it but i i read and did i thought i'll narrate one of my children's books because i'm also a children's author and i read one of my children's books because i thought well it's shorter and you know i imagine you know it's very british school kids kind of thing i thought you know my english accent i used to be a teacher i can do the storytelling voice and it's it's i don't know i'm still not you know, I definitely will have another go, but the first take, you know, and it's it's about, I don't know, 150 pages. It's not that long, but it is really hard to do it. It's really hard to yeah. do it. And it's very hard to do the voices and stuff like that and make it sound natural. And there's something about when you know you're being recorded and, and I'm just sat here in a room on my own and, and suddenly you feel self-conscious, which is ridiculous. 
you know. <laughs> yeah, it took me it took me a long time to get past the self-conscious thing. When I started doing I before I did the professional voiceover work, I hosted a podcast with a friend for uh, many years. It was an entertainment podcast that we would talk about and review different movies, TV shows, things like that. And I got used to recording doing that, but then when I switched to doing professional voiceover work, that was a totally different thing to shift into and I had to get used to that because then people would be paying me for what I was saying. So I had to be very conscious about how good I sounded, how good the performance was and all of that. And then when I began doing video content for TikTok, that was a totally different thing as well because I was used to talking and narrating things, but I wasn't at all used to being seen on camera and being in front of the camera. And so it's uh, definitely been just sort of stepping from one thing to another, getting used to the medium and sort of getting over the self-conscious thing and having to push through that. But even now, I, I definitely mess up every time I'm recording something and have to do multiple takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. And I think that the whole TikTok thing is is actually quite scary when you start it because, you know, I would, you know, we'd all rather just get on and write the books. But now I find I'm much more comfortable with it and, and I'm not so self-critical. I just think, well, you know, here I am. This is my face. This is my voice, you know, and and you know, it, it's the, and you will get some, I mean, you'd get some kickback. There's always a few strange people that will be unkind to you. You know, right. I, I get, I get, a, I had, I was doing a TikTok the other day and I, I held it up to my husband to show him the picture of me doing whatever. And at the end of the, whatever I was chatting about, I smiled broadly and I get a lot of um, flack for my teeth. I've got a snaggle tooth and um, I always get, a load of weird blokes coming in telling me how much they don't like my teeth. Oh no, that's awful. I just, but the thing is, I'm a middle-aged lady. I couldn't care less. Yeah. The the thing that, yeah, the people uh, use the anonymity that they have on the other side of the screen just to say things that they never would even consider saying in person to someone. I get a lot of weird things from people uh, because I shave my head, I'm bald, and it's uh, something that I very obviously do, and I obviously know that I do that, but I have people coming in that say to me, hey, you're bald, like I didn't notice it before. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it is, and I think as long as you can just take that on the chin and just go, it's fine. This is me. There you go. It's, it's yeah, I, I have a very yeah. thick skin. I think sometimes, especially when you're doing TikTok lives and things like that, you have to because you never know who's going to show up in there and what they're going to say to you. And and uh, sometimes it can get under your skin. I think it's just natural to have a, a negative reaction to those kinds of things. But I just try to tell myself that uh, if someone says something unkind to me, it's probably because they are having a hard time themselves with something. Yeah. And I try to be compassionate about that and understand and uh, not let it upset me in that way. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think you're quite right. I think often people that hurt are hurting themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Very true. Are you planning to do a audiobook for Akathar's Greatest Trick? Yes, I um, am just about to. I I was planning actually over the past month to go ahead and start recording that one. And I got busy with doing edits and other things. So I didn't get to quite start that one yet. But that's the next thing that I have on my to-do list is to start recording Akathar's Greatest Trick. And I will be narrating that myself and releasing it. And then when the next book, when Lysandra's Deepest Fear comes out, I'll narrate that. And uh, unless something comes along to convince me otherwise, I'm always going to try to narrate my own stuff because I feel comfortable with it. And I know how things should be 
pronounced and I feel like I'm doing an okay job with the delivery and uh, the the royalty share from that is so much better if you're able to do it yourself than if you need to hire someone else to do it because you basically if you hire an aerator you need to pay them up front a certain amount or you just uh, split your royalty with them down the middle for a period of time and so uh, as you said before we have to be conscious about the money sometimes and so that that definitely is a factor with me if I felt like I got to a point that I couldn't on a particular project deliver a, a narration that did a story justice, if I had something that required something very different from what I was able to provide myself, I certainly would consider hiring someone more appropriate. But as long as I'm able to do it myself, I will just get in there and put the time in. Yeah. And do you have your own sound booth at home or, or do you do something makeshift? I, I have a setup at home. I wouldn't really call it a booth, but it's an area that is a quiet area of the house that I have the uh, microphone set up and connected to the computer. And I have a mixer and all that typical kind of equipment set up yeah. there. But it's not uh, what you would think of. I see a lot of people that are voiceover artists that they'll have a specific booth that they close themselves into and it's got the padding all around and everything. And I don't specifically have that. But uh, the room that I record in has good acoustics as it is, and I haven't had to do that kind of thing. But but yes, I do have a, a specific area in the house that's set up for it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's quite good. I I get under a big umbrella if I'm doing something specific, and I put a big blanket over the top and then sit sit under there. This room's not too bad. This is my office. I've got it's. I put the curtains down, and behind me, everything's covered in blankets to just try and pop it down a bit so you know so it doesn't get too essy because i've got a very high ceiling which is uh, okay. not ideal but it's not too bad for the podcast but if i'm doing something yeah. a bit more serious I, i'll i'll do a bit more with it i've been sort of nudging my husband i kind of would like to do a bit of redecorating of this room and i'm kind of thinking i could just fit i'm very tiny so i'm feeling i all i need is a little tiny sound booth jason and i'd be fine <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, in, in this room, this is my office as well. And I have a lot of uh, things that are sort of paper products in here. Like behind me, you can see I have a lot of yeah. books and board games, things like that. And having so many of those in there, that just eats the reverb up. It, it uh, uh, yeah, to a great yeah. extent, acts yeah. as sort of a buffer kind of thing. So just naturally, yeah. it kind of absorbs sounds when I'm making videos and this kind of thing. Yeah, boxes of stock and things are great for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah it is it's great yeah so it's it, well so we're looking forward to hearing that and i think there's a big market another it brings in new market i was talking to somebody the other day i think it was mark wells the author and mm -hmm. he was talking about his um his love of audiobooks and how you reach a different audience more men will hear listen to your work then we'll read it and that's kind of a you know quite quite a good thing because it brings a new audience into your into your world into your fantasy writing yeah brilliant um so tell me about your fantasy world then jason um is is it dark and medieval or is it um you know hard magic system what what is what's it what's it like there it's kind of an interesting thing. The world where it's set is called Teshavar. That's the realm where uh, things take place, and that's the name of the series. And Teshavar is an interesting place because it has a history that is sort of fragmented at a point uh, in history which people are not really sure exactly how long ago it was. A mage, a, a high wizard, took over basically the land and uh, made himself the high lord of Teshavar and is a supremely powerful sorcerer and is a bit of a tyrant and uh, all history prior to that is kind of lost to the people there and this uh, high lord 
is uh, a, sort of an eternal being at this point and has lived for seemingly centuries, possibly thousands of years. No one's really sure. And as part of the tyrannical rule that there is, all other magic, aside from what the High Lord is doing, all other magic is outlawed in the realm. And uh, uh, magic users, people who learn to use magic and become mages, uh, are hunted by the Empire, and they can either turn themselves into the Empire and essentially work with the Empire against their own people, or they will be hunted down and will be brought into the Empire as uh, essentially servants, and they'll have their own memories wiped, and they will be sort of reprogrammed to work for the Empire with diminished magical abilities. So it's not a very pleasant place if you're a magic user to live, but it is a functional world. And the uh, the sort of aesthetic of it that I think of is a combination of a uh, kind of uh, Middle Ages or medieval fantasy, as you would think of it, crossed with a bit of Victorian stylings because when things happened in this world, the progress of technology, the progress of development society stalled in some areas and didn't in others. And so we have this sort of mixture of different kinds of aesthetics going on in the cities and in the technologies that are going on. In Akathar's Greatest Trick, for example, the uh, the main character, the named character in it, Akathar, is the stage name for a stage magician that uh, does magic performances in a city called Cluebridge. And because it's just a performance that's legal, that's not hunted by the Empire, but it's sort of towing the line. They're sort of right on the edge, and so the Empire has their eye on the act there. But in the theater, which a lot of the book focuses on the theater troupe and the people that work there, there's an engineer who is experimenting with electricity and is experimenting with more modern kinds of things. But at the same time, people ride horses around. There are castles. There are all the sort of trappings of what you might think of as classically styled fantasy. So it's it's a little bit of everything put into there. And it comes together in sort of an interesting mixture that I, uh, I had been wanting to write for a while. I think I've had the world in my head for almost 10 years put things together and I'm excited to finally be telling these stories now. Yeah, it sounds it sounds fascinating. I like I like the mix of it. I like the bit of the bit of medieval and a little bit of Victorian um industry as well. I think I think that's quite nice. And I think often um when when things are mixed up a bit, I think it is more real because that's what even you know even our own world is like we've got amazing technology you know that we don't even understand or are aware of probably some of us in in the world and yet you know we're still riding around on bicycles or you know and walking right. our dogs and just doing normal things you know and, and i think that's one of the things that i like about um some of the science fiction that you see um like in star wars when they're always kind of uh some of the aeroplanes well not aeroplanes some of the spaceships look a bit a bit tired you know and they're kind of banging them with spanners and they you know like i think that's a really nice touch you know that they've, they've got that kind of thing so yeah. what do you what do you do jason when you're not writing because i can see board games and things behind you so so what's what's your what's your guilty pleasure <laughs> um, I am into all kinds of things. Um, as you see, I, I love gaming. I collect board games and I play video games. I uh, also play the piano. I uh, do that every day. And I enjoy uh, movies and TV and just all kinds of arts related things. And uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I spend way too much time on all of that and way too much money on all of that. <laughs> but those are the things I enjoy. I also am very much into fitness. I uh, have joined Orange Theory. I joined uh, that several years ago and I go uh, five days a week and work out there 
here and I run and do all that kind of thing and have found that um, even beyond the uh, physical benefits of doing that, that's a great place for me to go and sort of decompress my mind while I'm working out. And I use that each morning as my, uh, it's, it's almost like a meditative state when I'm running on the treadmill or when I'm rowing or doing whatever I'm doing there, that uh, doing that in the morning sort of sets me for the rest of the day that I can yeah. be productive the rest of the day. Yeah, it's like a palate cleanser, isn't it? I have a dog and I, I walk her in the morning across the cliff top um, just for sort of 45 minutes, half an hour. Um, I, she has a longer walk in the evening. Um, and, and I find um, it kind of sets my, I'm ready to come in and write or get on with the artwork, whatever I'm doing, you know, once I've done that. And I think exercise is great for that. It's almost... It's like you can think because you can't do anything else. You can you're just walking or whatever you're doing. You know you're obviously doing more physical things than me, but yeah, it is. It's good. Yeah, I and also mm, I think the trouble with the writing or any of this this kind of thing, we are sitting a lot. So I think you have to tr- kind of think about the author's bum a bit that it doesn't get too <laughs> wide. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I always make sure I have a good chair because I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. This is it, and keep moving about in between all of that things. And and I think if you can keep moving, you know, it's it's surprising how stressful it is when you're, you know, you get hunched up or I'm over the drawing board or something. It gets caught on the on the back of your neck. Anyway, that's enough of that. I was going to ask you about your book covers, Jason. Do you do them yourself? Do you get somebody else to do them? I like them. As I can see, Akathar's greatest trick behind you there on the shelf. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I've seen it on TikTok and things. And nice, like in the castle, like where the, the lettering stands out. Good. Thank Did, you. Do you do it? That one was not me at all. I am working with a great designer. Her name is Francisca Stern, and she is doing all of the main covers in the series. She's doing all the main nine, and she did this one and uh, is currently working on the cover for the next one. And I uh, I just, I love her work. She is very talented, and she uh, has made some amazing covers for other writers that I know and uh, has just some fantastic stuff out there. She is far more skilled than I will ever be at, <laughs> at that kind of thing. Uh, for the side stories, for the, uh, for example, the prequel novella that I just released, I did do that cover myself. I actually have it right here. I can show you um, that yep. one. I did the cover myself. Yeah, with and, the gemstone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I put that yeah. yeah, that, that I, looks I, good. I, used, I think that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. I used uh, sort of a, a, an adaptation of the layout that Francisca did for the cover Type of the face. first book to uh, yeah. to lay out my where my name goes and where the title and all of that, but then just sort of pieced together the rest of that and was happy with how it turned out. But I definitely am not in general a, a cover designer myself. I would rely on someone who's much more professional to do that because even if I could create something that looked good, I might not know what would speak to the readers, what the readers in that genre are looking for. And I have complete faith in Francisca. Francisca, that she uh, she knows that kind of thing. So I, I rely heavily on her for that. Yeah, no, it looks good. And I think um, it's all about the typeface, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get, you get that right. You've, you've nailed it. Yeah, it, it's it, the typeface has to just, there's something very specific about typefaces and genres. And um, yes, I you know, that as soon as I look at that, even if I didn't know you or anything about it i know immediately that 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 is a that is a fantasy work and and that's brilliant yeah and that's what you've got to do yeah because it's um it makes it um it makes it it makes it makes the brings the reader in they know what they're looking for and um you can show them that this is what they need this is what they need yeah. next absolutely yeah. yeah so um so now there's a funny question i keep asking people um because I used to do this blog years ago and I was, and it was about people's desks and I would always, I would 
get people to come on the blog and tell me about their desk. So, Jason, your bookcase behind you is incredibly tidy. It's not, doesn't, look, <laughs> doesn't look dusty, doesn't look, you know, it's got all the right things on it. But what's your desk like? Is it untidy? Is it are you are you a tidy worker? Um, it's a little bit half and half. If I'm in the middle of working on something and actively doing something, I will have notes sitting here and there and I'll have things kind of around. But if I am not actively doing something, I will have things kind of cleared away a bit. There certainly are some places on the desk that uh, things just kind of live in stacks and I've come to accept that as their fate. But uh, but in general, I do like to have things in uh, in some sort of organization. Sometimes it's organized chaos, but I uh, I do try to keep things where uh, where I can sit down and not be overwhelmed just by clutter and by things just uh, being everywhere, you know. And so I, I do try to keep the dust down as well because I don't want to be coughing and sneezing while <laughs> while typing away. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think the trouble with it is um, the bigger the desk, the bigger the, the mess. My desk is very tiny, um, but I still have a lot of stuff. Uh, there's another desk behind me with a and a drawing board behind me. So I, I don't know. I think I've always got too many things on the go. So I've always got a lot of a lot of stuff all at once mm-hmm. and, then, and then every now and then about once a week i come in with a with a cloth and go right you know and clear away the espresso cups and the you know and i kind of bring it back to square one again but i think i'm a bit chaotic really mm. yeah, yeah it's happy that's, that's a good practice though just every once in a while come in and just clear it out and have a good routine for that i i don't have a specific routine for doing that i try to kind of manage it as i go and sometimes i'm more successful than others with that <laughs> yeah yeah I, and like you say when you're in flow it's hard to be tidy because you need Need all those bits of sticky notes and uh, sketches I have, and goodness knows what else. I'm kind of in the middle of something at the moment. You can't see behind. <laughs> it's, it's just like, whoa, okay, she's mad. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, it's our process, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the process. It's working for me. So, what? So, what else have you got planned for this year, then, Jason? Apart from the writing, have you got any events that you're looking forward to? I do have a couple of things. Next month in uh, May, I'm going to be going to an event called Books, Gowns, and Crowns that is in Tampa, Florida. I live uh, near Orlando, Florida, so it's in the same state. And I'll be going to that and uh, we'll be a guest and we'll be able to uh, meet a lot of other authors that I know through TikTok that I haven't met in person before. So I'm excited about doing that. And uh, it'll be my first book-specific event that I've gone to. I've gone to a lot of conventions before, but that's my first book-specific one. And then uh, later in the year, it's going to be at the end of August, beginning of September, I always go to Atlanta, Georgia to go to DragonCon, which is the big fantasy and sci-fi convention. And I'm going to be uh, there. I will be speaking on panels and doing those sorts of things. So uh, definitely very excited about that. And I've been talking about them a bit on TikTok and uh, hoping to meet some of my followers there and some of my readers. So that's always an exciting thing. Yeah, it's nice to kind of meet your tribe. I, I'm going to one in June, which is uh, called the Self Publishing Show, which is which is a big big show for in, independent authors, and it's in London. And uh, so if if you if you're in London or anybody else is in London, you know, look out for me there. I'm the I'm the short grey haired woman with specs on, <laughs> and, uh, and it's it's great. And it's just you just uh, meet lots of other independent authors and and other people writing, and it's just nice to meet other writers and have a chat. You know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's well worth it, I think. Even even although you might think, oh, is this a quite a lot of money to you know? Because obviously it costs to do these things, but right, I think I think it's worth it if you can because networking's really nice. You you'll make new friends and it'll be great. 
Yeah, I would love to go to that one. Uh, I took Mark Dawson's uh, course on uh, ads for authors, and I listened yep. to his podcast as well. So I uh, have heard them talking about that and James Blatch and all of them. So I yep. would love to go to that event. So I'll, I'll have to check in with you and see how it is afterwards. Yeah, well, you can always come stay with me, Jason. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really. <laughs> yeah, because it, it. it's uh, yeah, it's lovely and it's it's nice to to go and do these things. But I would like to go and do the. Um, some of the fantasy ones. I haven't really done any of the of the of the fantasy cons over here in England yet. But every yeah. year I kind of think, oh, I, I'll do that. But I've got a wedding when there's one on now and different things. So I haven't not this year, but I'll try and do that next year definitely. Yeah. So yeah. it is good if you can get out there and network people because I think it can be a bit of a lonely business actually writing. Yeah, I, I am kind of a homebody myself in general, just day to day. I enjoy sort of being in my familiar surroundings and making my videos and writing and then going each day to do my workout and that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, yeah, even with that, it's good to get out and to travel a bit and to see some different things and to see some different people to interact with. So I, I completely agree. Oh, now, I have one last question to ask you this. Um, so <laughs> in, in Akathar's Greatest Trick, you, one of your main characters is a, is a magician. Um, are you interested in magic tricks yourself? Do you do, 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 do a few magic tricks? I, I think it's fascinating and I enjoy seeing it. I don't uh, do it myself. I, uh, I I kind of, I don't know whether it's that I just haven't taken an interest in learning it or if it's that I feel like if I learned how all the stuff worked, it would take away the fun part of it. But I, I enjoy seeing magic tricks. I enjoy seeing stage magic and those sorts of things, but I don't have an actual background in it myself and I don't uh, really have a repertoire of magic tricks that I can pull out myself. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was kind of funny when I was writing the book, I was uh, I did some research certainly into stage magic, but I kind of avoided the part where it would tell how the tricks are done. And I, to some extent, avoid that in the book as well. It has some performance scenes where the performances are done and you can see behind the stage when the engineer is working on various things and they will talk about it. But it uh, even within the context of the book, there is an air of mystery about how certain tricks are done and how certain things are pulled off. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's a good. So you you sort of left left the audience where the audience should be. Yeah, as in the reader. Yeah, fascinating. Um, yeah, and, and like you say, I think it's kind of weird when you know my. Well, like I say, one of my daughters is a sound engineer, and sometimes when we go and see things, you know, if she's working on, she takes us backstage, and sometimes it's kind of weird to see the behind the scene thing because it's it's kind of like you shouldn't be there. You know, it's and, like and the Wizard of Oz sort of pulling the curtain back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sometimes when I've gone and thought, oh, that was really interesting, but I kind of feel, I don't know, well, does it take a little bit of it away? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit diminished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but, it's good to have an air of mystery and some things that you don't know. I think that makes uh, that kind of makes life fun. And it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Okay, well, really nice to talk to Jason Dora. Um, he was somebody that I particularly wanted on to the podcast. I always find his TikToks great fun. If you don't already follow him on TikTok, make sure that you do. Uh, he always has just really nice little things to say and things that he does on there, which is great. And uh, you can find notes in the show notes about him and um, his work and where to find him online and that kind of thing. Okay, so next week, my guest is a children's author and she is Rebecca Weber and she'll be telling us all about her debut novel, The Painter's Butterfly. So come along and have a listen to that. It was a really interesting chat and um, really nice to talk to another children's author. And children's authors are quite hard to get on to the podcast, I'm finding, um, which I don't know why that is. 
I do ask children's authors. So if you are a children's author and you're listening, you know, don't be scared. It's really not that bad. And even Rebecca said that it really wasn't as bad as she thought it was going to be. It was actually okay chatting with me. So if you're a children's writer, come along and let's have a chat because we'd like to get all sorts of people on here. And also, if you're writing something that hasn't been on the podcast yet, and I'm, you know, here I am on podcast number 38, so there's been quite a few of you. If you're thinking, oh, well, she won't want me because I write whatever it is, and you haven't had any of those writers on here yet, well, actually, you're wrong. I do want you on here. I want writers of all genres, all sorts of people, and all sorts of stages within your writing career. So, you know, give me a nudge. You can find um, links in the show notes for my website, um, www.djbowmansmith.com. Um, you can find me on social media and, um, you know, give me give me a nudge. Come come on the podcast. Come and have a chat. It's really not that scary. OK, right. Well, this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith. Until next time. Bye bye.